The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everybody. We're not at a noisy bar this week. Dang it. But we are back in our room. Uh, Lou DiPietro, Chris Sheeran, uh, the Chris Sheeran Show podcast on the iTunes uh, podcast and on the YesNetwork.com. You could subscribe to it on the iTunes or go back on YesNetwork.com and listen to anything you really want. I mean, it's dated, but it, it's raucous. It's fun. It's wild. It's, it's a all- chance for you to call us out for how stupid or awesome right. something we said was. Right. It's awesome. Isn't that what Twitter's for? Absolutely. It's for trolls who like to... Landering other semi-anonymous. Yeah, go back in time and bring back something from your Twitter past. All right, let's, let's get our guest in because he, he's busy today. You know why Devin Carpertian is busy? Because the Nets won and the Pacers lost yes. last night. The Brooklyn Nets are in the playoffs, and Devin joins us, of course, from thebrooklyngame.com. Devin, thanks for being here, buddy. You got it, but I thought we were going to be at a bar. What's going on? <laughs> well, you're going to have to pick a nice Brooklyn bar that we can do this in. That you... uh, I got so many for you, Chris. Oh, cool. <laughs> Excellent. Hopefully they have wings. We'll meet you at the trash bar at 345. Go. All right. So, so before we even start, I do have a quick question because you brought up wings. Chris, I know you are a fan of the grilled meats. Oh, yeah. I want to know, from your perspective as the expert, what is your favorite meat to cook and what is your favorite method of cooking uh, I would have to go slow cooking uh, a rack of ribs and delicately putting a barbecue sauce on them for at least three hours, and then basically having it holding up the bone and having the meat just fall into my mouth. Oh God! Yeah, that sounds that sounds like heaven. Yeah, I, summer's coming. I got. I'm gonna uh-huh. break into your into your place. You don't have to break in. You could just come up and hang out with me and drink some beers. Do and you have want a good time? Do you want to hear something ridiculous? Given what you just said. In my slow cooker at home right now is a rack of ribs doing exactly that, waiting for me to eat for dinner tonight. <laughs> we bring it all together here on the Christian Synergy show. of all time. Synergy, segues, sheer Success. Show. <laughs> <Sheer> show. <laughs> all right, Devin, let's talk about the Nets. Um, Speaking of me falling off the boat. Oh, boy. Uh, here we go. So about a month ago, they were two and a half games back. They were behind the Pacers, they were behind the Heat, they were behind the Celtics, they were behind the, even the Hornets, who fell off the face of the earth the last couple of weeks of the season. They were two and a half games back. Who knew that they were going to make some kind of a run to get back into the playoffs? Who knew the Heat uh, were going to fall off um, and not make the playoffs after getting to the finals last year without LeBron James? But the Nets win, the Pacers lose, they have the tiebreaker against Indiana, they make their way into the playoffs. Uh, you know... One thing that really impressed me in last night's game, Devin, that they're going to really have to do uh, in this series against the Hawks if they have any outside shot to win this series. Uh, The Hawks swept the season series four games to nothing. But down the stretch, and I've talked about this with Donnie Marshall, I've talked about it with Jim Spinarkle, the ball movement and Boyan Bogdanovich, the two or the three Bs, because it's Boyan Bogdanovich and ball movement. So the three Bs here, I mean, Boyan has to be Boyan. And, and I can tell you right now, the Hawks, uh, are, are, are Budenholzer's working on how, how we stop Boyan Bogdanovich right now. But the ball movement, Devin, it has to be there. The Nets offense can't get stagnant. They have to slow it down. They have to play their half-court set. They have to get open looks. This is what's made them successful. The assists that when they have 20 or more assists, I think they're something like 33 and 17 or 34 and 17. When they have less, they're 5 and 27 or 5 and 28. You know, if there's a magic potion, I think that's it. What say you, Mr. Carparadian? 
Yeah, I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. I, I don't remember the, the numbers offhand, but I know like in, the, in that stretch of when they won, you know, 9 and 11 games or whatever it was, that they were getting 20, 25-plus assists every single night. And that was just a tenant of how they played. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, you, the, the best way to even have a chance against the Hawks right now is to try to play like the Hawks. I mean, they, their offense is crisp. They make quick decisions. They get everybody involved. But the problem with the Nets is that so often they fall into this trap of they run one pick and roll, they kick out, and they shoot no matter if it's a good look or not. You know, there's not they're not going to these multiple options and trying to find and get everybody involved. It's okay, we've got to get Brooke on this play. We've got to get Joe on this play. We've got to get Darren on this play. We've got to get Jared on this play. And it's not, you know, you, you, it's not a functional offense that's going to succeed in the playoffs. Um, and then to your point about Boyan Bogdanovich, I mean, that, that guy was on fire against the Magic. I couldn't, I mean, he's, when he's, it's, I was talking about this last night, actually, because I wanted to know what the biggest adjustment for him coming from Croatia to here was. And he said that, I mean, everything, starting with the ball, which, I mean, he said in the end of the year, like, the basketball itself is different. The defensive schemes are different. The three-point line is different. And it just took time for him to kind of get adjusted to everything. And now that it's kind of made sense, I mean, like, I know he's not technically the starter, but they, they're playing him starters' minutes, and he's deserved and earned those starters' minutes. Like, you can't play Markel Brown on the floor, you know, as your two-guard if you can't hit shots, which has been the problem in the last months. But Donovich, at least, has been hitting those shots, and if the Nets want to have a shot to beat the Hawks in any of these next four or five games, like, they're going to need to rely on him to keep doing it. So I'm totally in agreement with you there. You, you said the one thing about Bogdanovich making the adjustments, and last night we both heard Lionel Hollins, you know, kind of brought him full circle and said the same thing. You know, he's, he's a new guy, new culture, new ball, new three-point line, new everything, and now the last nine or ten games, he's credited, you know, within himself saying, Alan Anderson's been out, we, I knew I needed to step up, and now you've got a few days off, hopefully Anderson's ankle is good to go, but now if he is, Boyan brings a whole nother weapon because now they have the offense-defense you know, substitution, if you really want to look at it that way. Um, how, how important is that going to be for this series if Allen Anderson can come back and be that defensive stopper? I mean, that's big because what you can do then is spread the floor a little more because they haven't really had the opportunity with, you know, Bogdanovich playing well now and Anderson being hurt. You haven't really had the opportunity to play those two guys together next to Darren and maybe with Thad and Brooke. And then you've got a whole other dynamic. You can let Joe rest. Maybe play Joe a power forward if you're playing. You have so many shooters. Like, that's that's a, one of the ways that you can beat this Hawks team. I was looking at the numbers earlier, and I, I, I have them probably wrong to some degree. But I think in losses, the Hawks allow opponents to shoot 40% from three. And in wins, it's down to 31. So you need to be able to hit your threes to beat this Hawks team. And if they can spread the floor with if Bogan giving a shot, Allen is a great spot-up shooter I mean, for, for this team. Uh, and if he can play within that role and play a defensive stopper on the three, either guarding Corver or Carroll, I mean, they can they, – they're, okay, look, they're not gonna like they're not gonna blow the lid off the Hawks, but the the point in these games because you're they starting out zero zero, you want to keep them somewhat competitive. You want to at least put yourself in a position in the fourth quarter where you can still be in the game and possibly make a run because all these things come down to just a few possessions if you can get it to that point. How and if the Nets have that opportunity, um, you know, I think playing those two together, if they're both playing at the level they've played in the last month or so, that I mean, there's a chance there. There's absolutely a chance. The Nets got swept by the uh, Hawks this season, four games to nothing. December 5th, they lost 98-75. The Hawks outscored them 36-13 in the third quarter. January 28th, they lost by 11. Millsap had 28-15. and uh, And then before we came on here, Devin, you brought up an interesting point. April 4th and April 8th. Now, the 4th, the Nets got 
destroyed 131.99, but it was the second game of a back-to-back. The Hawks had 40 assists in that game. Um, and then April 8th, 114-111, the Nets came back. Joe Johnson misses a three. Uh, they almost tied that game in regulation. The difference between the first two games and the last two games was the Nets had Thaddeus Young. Now, we talked about him on our last BK Connect. How important has this guy been down the stretch here for the Nets? Well, let me put it this way. I, uh, I wrote a column this morning about re- re- putting you know, Nets various awards, like the Nets MVP. And I honestly considered for two hours of putting Thaddeus Young as the Nets MVP, not because of his season-long success, of course, but, but when he came to this team, everything kind of changed in a heartbeat. I mean, Brooke Lopez, the floor is open for Brooke Lopez. He could either hang out in the paint, wait for offensive rebounds, or do the pick and roll. Um, Thad was hitting threes in the beginning. That's kind of fallen off now. But uh, he's still he's a crafty offensive player. Uh, he's a, he can defend multiple positions, although they generally try to keep him on power forwards. I mean, that guy, he's done, he's done so much to kind of inject a little bit of life into this team. And defensively, you know, he's gotten he, – he, he gets a couple of deflections a game that, you know, Kevin Garnett wasn't getting because he was staying close to the paint. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously Garnett's a more communicative defender, but Young has the kind of injection of athleticism that they just didn't have in their starting lineup. And they really on their team at all outside of Markel Brown. So, I mean, you know, w- without Sad, I don't think this team is missing the playoffs. And now that they're here, I mean, he's got a very tough task ahead of him. Like Paul Millsap is right. one of the better power forwards in the league. Um, you just said it yourself, I think he's 28 and 15 uh, in, their, in their second game. Like, this is going to be a very tough task for him, but they're a little better equipped than they were, I'd say, two or three months ago. That doesn't mean they're well-equipped. It just means they're a little better equipped. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks won 60 games. So let's <laughs> let's be honest here. The yeah. Hawks are a tremendous team, and they've got a great coach. He comes from uh, Popovich's system. It's kind of like Spurs East. Uh, it's a team game, and we've talked about this all season long. Um uh, on BK Connect, uh, on the pre- and post-game show, whenever they played the Hawks, how they play so much like a team. And Donnie Marshall brought this point up on one of our, our pre-game shows. You know, look at the Hawks. Name a superstar. I mean, look at the team. Look at the roster up and down, Devin. It, it's tough. I mean, these guys, any different night, it could be a different guy in the lineup. And you know what's amazing about that team is that, like, you could argue from a pure talent perspective that Al Horford is a superstar for what he brings you to that can. team. Al you can, you absolutely can. Undoubtedly, one of the best teams in the league, or one of the best players in the league. But what he does is that he's willing to defer and create for his team, and mm-hmm. that's what helps makes him a superstar. You know, you watch plays of this team, and he'll he'll have an opportunity that Brook Lopez will take for himself on a double team if the roles are reversed, and he finds Cora for an open three, or he finds a teammate for an open shot. Like that's just the kind of it's the little decisions that he makes that he's at the fulcrum, and it's and it's kind of spread to their entire team, and that's why they have nights like they have 40 assists against the Nets because they're not worried about finding their own shot. Everyone is bought into Budenholzer's system, and that's what's that's part of what makes them so great, and that's why Budenholzer. Uh, in my mind, at least should be tied with Steve Kerr for Coach of the Year because what he's done to propel that team, to make sure that everyone stays on the same page and bought into that system, I mean, that team is fantastic. It's one of those things where the, the great players make the players around them even better, and that's sort of yeah. what you're describing about Horford there. He and Jeff Teague are the only two guys left from when Joe Johnson was an Atlanta Hawks, so it's not only a new game there. They're almost an entirely new team than the the Atlanta Hawks of the – late 2000s, I guess is that the decade, the late 00s, 
or mid to late 00s that <laughs> seem to be a fort, that, nice. Devin, you beat me. That seemed to be a 45 win team and lost in the first round every year. And now it, it, I'm going to ask you going forward. I, I I know we think the Nets will will have a puncher's chance, but ultimately probably won't win this series. Is there anything stopping LeBron James versus the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals at this point? Um, you know, I really don't think so. I mean, everybody else is not that great. Chicago always seems to make a fight out of every team they play against, but I don't think they have the talent. Yeah, but they have peanut brittle at point guard. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it, too. And Noah was hurt in the last couple of games. Don't get me wrong. He is, he is the best peanut brittle on the planet. <laughs> but he's still peanut brittle. But he's still peanut brittle. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a team you can't trust. And with the, I mean, with the Cavs, I mean, LeBron has been unbelievable, out of his mind the last two months. I mean, I don't know. A couple of days ago, he casually threw up a triple double. It was like the guy, the guy. It's just, it's a reminder that while the MVP race is Curry and Harden, LeBron is still the best player in the league. And like when he's on his on his game, or he's been able, he's leading this Cavs team, they're extremely dangerous. I don't think I don't. I mean, you know, I, I guess Toronto could probably be Washington, but I don't see any of the teams from three to six giving them, or three to eight, I should say, giving them a shot. All right, I got one more for you, Devin, and and it's on this Paul Pierce stuff that came out with Jackie McMullen's column from ESPN, and uh, it was kind of shocking to Nets fans, I should say. Um, I don't think it would be shocking to say guys who cover the team. I don't want to speak for them, but uh, this is what he said in a nutshell uh, about his deal in Washington as the post to last year. He said, I'm much happier. It was a tough situation in Brooklyn last year. Horrible, really. It was just the guys' attitudes there. It wasn't like we were surrounded by a bunch of young guys. They were vets who didn't want to play and didn't want to practice. I was looking around saying, what's this? Kevin Garnett and I had to pick them up every day in practice. If me and Kevin weren't there, that team would have folded up. That team would have packed it in. We kept them going each and every day. And then he went on to say some stuff about Darren before I got there. I looked at him as an MVP candidate, but I felt once we got there, that's not what he wanted to be. He just didn't want that. I think a lot of pressure got to him sometimes. This was his first time in the national spotlight. The media in Utah is not the same as the media in New York, so that could wear on some people. I think it really affected him. Now, from someone who covers them all year long, what did you take out of these comments from Pierce? Well, I mean, I, I, actually, I don't think he said anything that we didn't already kind of know or were kind of have been alluded to. Um, you know, Joe is quiet, and we asked Joe about it, and he was like, yeah, he's right. I'm quiet. I, don't, I want to be left <laughs> alone. Like, he, was, he was totally forthcoming with yeah. it, and it was, it was hilarious. And, um, and for the record, neither of those guys said anything bad about Pierce um, in response to his entire opinion. Um, you know, Darren's not an MVP candidate. He's not close. He hasn't been close. Really, in his next tenure, he's been good, right. but he's never really been that championship. Well, he's been injured too. Leading point guard, and he's been hurt. That's oh yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was my next point is that the guy you talk about peanut brittle. This is kind of in the top <laughs> five peanut brittle in uh, in peanut brittle history. I I, and, I expect a peanut brittle top five on the BrooklynGame.com by the end of the day, Devin. I have way too much. Work. <laughs> 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 Let me get through the rest of the playoffs. You okay, <laughs> all right. Maybe the off season will have some fun with that. Yeah, but 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 yeah. But to, to his point, I mean, you know, he's right. Darren's not an MVP candidate. That's not the guy that he is. But it's also, I mean, it's also Paul Pierce trying to remind everybody that he was a big part of the Nets team last year. I mean, the Nets don't get to where they are if Sean Livingston doesn't enter the starting lineup. They don't right. get to where they are if Kevin Garnett's at center. Or Joe John, like Joe Johnson, is the reason they won that first round series. I mean, Absolutely, the highlights. But Joe Johnson dominated the Raptors in that first round series. Like, there's there's a little bit of revisionist history going on. I think in Pierce's mind, but he's also not wrong. 
Okay. Devin, thanks. I know you got to run. Uh, you have a conference call with Mr. Hollins and his opus. <laughs> different, <laughs> different spelling. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we appreciate you coming on and spending a couple minutes with us. Um, enjoy the first round series. And uh, we look forward, if the Nets uh, hang in here and uh, make this a run, we'll get you back on. We'll talk about it. You got it. The Brooklyn game will be live in Atlanta in games one and two. So we will definitely keep you updated. Brooklyngame.com. Hit it on the Google engine, kids. Devin, we appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Take care, man. All right. Devin Carparity, and there he goes, giving us some time on the Nets as they get ready to take on the Hawks in this four-game series. I want to put this in a little perspective, the Hawks at home. <laughs> I did this before I came upstairs. The Phillips Arena. All right. The Hawks at Phillips Arena this year are 35-6. and six. Perspective time, Mr. DiPietro. The Knicks. Oh, wait. Before I do that, you know you're good at home when you could name off the top of your head the six teams you lost to. Okay? Wow. The Lakers, Raptors twice, Bucks, Spurs, and Knicks. And the Knicks were the second-to-last game of the season, so we really can't count that one. And what did four of the other five have in common? Yeah, it, right. They're in the playoffs. It was immaterial, that Knicks loss. So, well, except the Lakers. Um, now the Knicks. But was it a Lakers team with Kobe? It was. It was November 14th. So there you go. Yeah, 114-109. It was a tight game. Before the wheels, the axles, and the cart itself fell off the cart for the Lakers. Yes, exactly. A great point out of you. Now, the Knicks, I tweeted this, and I got a lot of response out of it. I actually put, it was a Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck line, on on, uh, the Instagram. I said, if you could name... All five teams that you've beaten 41 games into the season, halfway, you might be a Knicks fan. <laughs> I do remember this. <laughs> so, And at the time I could, and now I can't. Right. The Hawks, I did too. The Hawks were 35-6 and six at home. The Knicks started the season 5-36, and 36, and they beat the Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets, Hornets, and Cavs. The Cavs were their first win. If you remember, they started one and one. They beat LeBron and the Cavs in Cleveland with all those obnoxious back in Cleveland commercials that ESPN was pumping in every five seconds. I couldn't stand it. Only but, two of those teams made the playoffs, by the way. Just saying. Right. And the Nets. The Nets. Nets fans. Before you start having these delusions of grandeur, I- I'm listen, I'm happier than anybody that they're in the playoffs. And everybody's thinking the Hawks are not gonna, you know, the Hawks are just gonna revert to that four or five Hawks team that they normally are, and they lose in the first round, that's not this team. These ain't your older brother's Hawks. Exactly. You couldn't have said it better. This Atlanta Hawks team is a well-oiled, Budenholzer-greased machine. <laughs> they, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to make a prediction. I, I think the Nets maybe keep one of these games tight towards the end, but they're getting swept. They are not winning a game in the series. I'll give them not five. One. I'll give them five because, as Devin said, you know, there were circumstances where that game the other uh, the other night last week could and should have been a Nets win. So if the bounces go their way in one of those games, they can steal one, probably at Barclays. But I, five, I, I give them five because I, I'm an I'm an optimist and because I get paid to say that. Well. I've watched them all year. <laughs> I'm not going to let facts get in the way of my opinion. Yes, uh, my, my facts outweigh the opinions. I've seen this team way too much. And, yes, they've played better down the stretch. And, yes, as Devin said, Thaddeus Young has been a difference maker. And they did come back and almost tie the Hawks 
in their last meeting on April 8th with a Joe Johnson three at the buzzer, and Thaddeus has had a lot to do with the net success, but I just don't think they yeah. could play the Hawks game. Yep. I, I don't. I agree. And if you turn the ball over against this Hawks team, it's turning into points. You're not turning it over. If the Nets have more than 12 turnovers, turn the television off. It's not going to be pretty. The assists all season long, if you're looking at the assist column at halftime and they have four or five, they're not hitting their shots. That's the other thing. Put this into your formula. If there was an algebraic or calculus equation for the Nets, hit your threes, don't turn the ball over, Brooke has 20, Nets win. Mm-hmm. Oh, and assists over 20. Nets win. Well, the th- the weird thing about last night is is I was there in Brooklyn as well and Devin was there and you know everybody was there and it was a good time except for the fans because there was about a third of the arena that was empty which shocks me to no end. Anyway, point being, the first 3 quarters were almost an exercise in how to beat the Brooklyn Nets right. without really trying. Right. The Magic in- were up by 12. The interior defense was making Vucevic and Nicholson look like Duncan and Robinson circa 1999. <laughs> I, they were unstoppable. The Nets were getting out-rebounded, out-hustled. The big men were killing them. And then Oladipo would hit open shots when they would finally collapse underneath. Uh, it, so you put that now with the Hawks where it's Millsap, one of the best power forwards in the NBA, and Horford instead of Vucevic and Nicholson. And instead of Oladipo, it's, oh, Kyle Korver, who shoots about 50% from beyond the arc out there. 50% from Forget three, about 50% it. 50% from the field, 90% from the free throw line. Good luck with all that. I got four syllables for you. Fa-get-a-bow-tit. Yeah, exactly. That's it, actually five syllables, but that's I can't. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be quick. It's going to be quick. And, you know, what you have to take solace in, Nets fans, is where this team was – and where they were going, and the fact that they are in the playoffs, and they have this opportunity. Now, they, as Lou and I have said all season long, the talent's there. It's there. And what Devin said, Thad Young turned this team around. He did. Because he was that injection they needed. But what, what is it? This NBA is not our older brother's or father's NBA. This is all about athletes. Yes. Athleticism. Quickness. Everything the Nets don't have. Guys who can shoot the lights out, which right. the Nets... Well, have, Boyan. Boyan's been doing it lately, but the Nets but is a team... one guy. If they take Boyan Bogdanovich out of the equation... Forget it. Listen, I'm not saying Budenholzer's going to play a box and one with Boyan. You can I play mean, the Pete Carroll-Princeton offense? No, I mean... Or Pete Carroll, that, excuse me. That's fine. It, it's not like he has to come up with some outlandish scheme to take him out of the game. Someone could shut him down. Who's hitting a three? Darren has yeah. been okay from downtown this year. And Joe's Joe. He's Joe's hit big Joe. Shots he can hit big shots. But those guys, and Brooke especially, Brooke on the interior has to get those guys focused on him. Mm-hmm. So the perimeter opens up. If Brooke is drawing a double team, somebody's opening, as he was doing last night, hitting the open man, mm-hmm. which was Bogey, who had the hot hand, and he was killing it four of eight from, from three yesterday. Career high 28. But there was something that Devin tweeted last night about Jarrett Jack going into the lane with reckless abandon. Down 75-74. Bogdanovich with the hot hand is wide open on the perimeter. And instead of 
realizing that there's four magic players around him and there's probably all of his teammates. Yeah, there's are not open. just somebody open, there's everybody open. There's four magic players under the basket. No nets for a rebound. None. And he forces up a floater in the lane. Do you or Jared Jack, do you A, pass the ball to an open teammate? Uh, B, draw a foul. C, throw up a floater that has no hope. If you answered C, please send your resume to Barkley Center. Yes, that's what Black Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. And if, if you see a steady diet of that in yeah. this series, one, two, three, four. That's all you're going to get. Four games. We ain't talking a Coolio song either. No. It's going to be Hawks next round. Easy. Done, done. Let me, let me throw a question at you real quick that I, I, did, I did some research this morning. I did a column about the Nets before I go on to make my point about the, the playoffs in general. Why don't you just tell me what you were going to say? Do you know who the only Net was to play all 82 games this year? Wasn't Brooke. Nope. Wasn't Darren. Nope. Wasn't Joe. Nope. Wasn't Thad Young either. Wasn't Bogey. Wasn't Markel Brown. Wasn't Markel Brown. Oof. Give you a hint. His team won a national championship a couple weeks ago. Oh, Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley was the only net to play all 82 yeah. games this year. Yeah. How about that? Interesting little factoid. He was also the one to thank the fans on Fan Appreciation Night last night, which I guess, you know, played all 82. Why not? I like Plumley. You know, and for a time he was in the starting lineup with Brooke coming off the bench, and then that just reversed itself because it needed to because Brooke was playing out of his mind. Um, I do like what Plumley brings to the floor. Uh, he's tough. He brings the lunchbox down into the paint. He does the dirty things. He just can't hit foul shots. Nope. And, you know, that might be why Lionel can't have him on the floor in a right. tight game down the stretch. Right. Because he's not going to hit those foul shots. Right. And he's not Shaq, so you're not going to stick with him. Because, so you can't you know, have Brook in foul trouble. You have Earl Young. Yep. You have Jerome Jordan. I, I just... It's, yeah, it's a no. weird situation. Earl Clark and Jerome Jordan. Is yeah. Gonna, yeah, Earl it's, Clark. It's a weird situation. My point was going to be about the playoffs as a whole, and I asked Devin, obviously, is there anything stopping Hawks-Cavs mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference? And mm-hmm. Really, no. The Bucks are the sixth seed at 41-41, and 41, playing the three-seed Bulls in the first round. Mm-hmm. The Bulls, I think, have taken over the Hawks' mantle as the team that wins 45-50 to 50 games every year and loses in the first round. 41-41 and 41 would be the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th best record in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Don't think I didn't look at that. The defending champions, this is how good the West is. The defending champions are the sixth seed after winning 55 games. Mm-hmm. The team they beat in the conference finals a couple years ago in one of those epic conference finals did not make the playoffs on a 45-win season. Thunder. The Thunder. The Grizzlies, who they did beat in the finals years ago, are the five seed with 55 wins and have... Home but they have home court. Have home court advantage over the Trailblazers, who had the sixth best record in the conference, but yet the four seed and no home. Because they're division winners. Does anybody in the NBA have any idea how ridiculously weird their playoff system is? It's convoluted. I mean, I thought hockey was tough to explain to people with this whole three teams in a division, and then it's wild cards, and you play yeah. within the division, but the wild cards. And I'm sitting here looking at this. I'm like, all right, Hawks are going to kill the Magic, or the the Nets, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, Cleveland's probably going to do pretty similar dirty things to Boston. Right. 
Wizards series could be close. Bulls Bucks depends on the Bulls injury history. The Wizards series could be close with the Raptors. But there's no chance in the next round. It's 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 the Hawks and the Cavs. In the West, could you not see the Mavericks in the finals randomly? I mean, I don't think they're good enough, but they're a fifty win team. Yeah. In a conference where seven teams won fifty games. <laughs> they're the last fifty win team. I mean I don't know. I just I know we've talked about the playoffs on ad nauseum on in this space at times. It's just I, if you want to if you want to watch some fun basketball, stay up late. See the, the next couple weeks. Yeah, the one eight in the East is meh. The one eight in the West is a forty five win Pelicans team that's in brand new territory against the quite possibly the best three point shooter in the history of the league. And I'm not saying the Pelicans are going to beat the Warriors, but who wouldn't want to see Anthony Davis? But can you see game 7 in oh, yeah. Oakland in yeah, 2 weeks? Absolutely. 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 I got to see game 7 in Atlanta. The only way the oh, Nets yeah, are right playing now. game 7 is if they play a second series against whoever loses one of the other ones. Yeah, exactly. Not happening. Sorry. I I'd love to see it. I'd love to keep working. It's just it's not in the cards. Not in the cards. And I can't wait to I'm just going to go on record right now. I can't wait to see the Warriors and the Cavs in the finals. That's my prediction. Cleveland, Golden State. Steph Curry. Against LeBron James. Against LeBron James. Yeah. Curry just sh- – he, he has three of the top five totals in NBA history all time in terms of three-point field goals made in a season. Think about that. Three out of five. And he's been in the league for, what, five years? Six years? He's good. He's good. You know who else is good? The New York Rangers Hockey Club. And the Icelanders. Yeah. The New York Icelanders. Islanders uh, won their first game Wednesday night. Uh, Rangers take the ice Thursday night in their first game against the Penguins. About six hours from now as we tape. Yes. And, uh, you know, the Penguins, they've had to deal with injury. They have a new coach. They snuck in the playoffs. They're the eighth seed. And in hockey... You know, in basketball, it matters. In football, it matters most of the time. If you're a six seed, if you're an eight seed in basketball, chances are, unless you're the Sonics with Dikembe Mutombo, or was that the Nuggets? I'm sorry. Well, they beat the Sonics. It was, yeah, the Nuggets beat yeah. the Sonics. Sean Kemp. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not winning in the first round. Hockey, by the way. Well, the Knicks beat the Heat. And home ice advantage, a lot of people feel, is the least important in hockey. Yeah. Uh, except for a game seven. Here, here's my thing. I'm see. I was more worried about the Bruins in the first round mm-hmm. than the Penguins because the Bruins, even with their injuries, match up really well. They with would the have been in the size. NHL playoffs. What the Thunder would have been in the NBA playoffs. They would have been an eight seed, but they're a much better team than that. But and they're dangerous. That's in both conferences, right? Whoever makes the playoffs. I mean, look look at the standings. Well, let's and, no. Let's not say that. Because look at the bottom of the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Nets backed in. The Pacers, beep, beep, the, the Pacers backed out. And the Celtics got in because neither one of the other two teams decided to overtake them. Right. So, also weird how, like I said, the defending NBA champion is a sixth seed in the West after a 55-win season. And the defending Eastern Conference champion was the 9-10 seed. He was the 10th best team in the East. Yeah, it's so weird not having the, the background noise. I could actually hear you without, you know, hearing forks clanging and people talking. It's tremendous. It was fun, though, wasn't it? It was. It was, it was a great fun. time last week. And I'm sorry I just went rogue and brought that up. but No, but 
the the point we all brought along is that you know it's it in hockey all it takes is a hot goalie and a little bit of momentum and it doesn't matter if you're a one or an eight. You know how many eight seeds have reached the the uh, Stanley Cup Finals here, here, in the last ten years? Here, look at hockey. The, the the Western Conference: Anaheim and St. Louis each had 109 points. Anaheim's the one seed, uh, and the eight seed Calgary had 97. And wasn't Anaheim an eight seed when they reached the Stanley Cup Finals a decade or so yes, ago? Yes, they were. And so the, the Rangers at 113, and the and the Penguins had 98. I mean, they were a win away from having 100 points. Yeah, this is not a bad team. And my point with here, the injuries, Ole Mata's out for the season. Pascal Dupuy, a former Ranger, out for the season. Yeah. Chris Letang has a concussion. He's in, out indefinitely. That's French for the Tang, by but the let, way. Yes. That's an inside joke with one of my friends. Let me, let me give you three names, Ranger fans, that should scare the ever-loving bejesus out of you. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Fleury, Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, look, has Flurry had issues in the postseason before? Yeah, mm-hmm. but he also backstopped them to a 2009 Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. And as Lou just said, we're the king of segues on this show. We always have been. If he gets hot. One hot goalie. And Lundquist, who's just coming back from injury, is stale and not hot. And facing two of the best natural scorers in hockey. best scorers in hockey. This could be over quick. Mm-hmm. Could be over quick. The Rangers, I think, swept them. I think they had one overtime yeah. loss. And, you know, Ryan McDonough was on, was on with Michael Kay and, and Don LaGreca the other day and said as much. He's like, you know what, if you don't go in with that attitude that you need to work hard and win every game, you get down quickly and it could be curtains in a hurry. And for a team, let me, let me say this. The Rangers snuck up on a lot of people at the beginning of the year because the Islanders were, you know, the Islanders proved why you don't crow in November about what's going right. to happen in April. right. They snuck up on people and got good and better and better and better and ended up winning the President's Trophy. Mm-hmm. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, and if you remember those games, remember the pace, remember the scores, could have won the Stanley Cup Finals four games to one and carried a trophy up the Easily. Canyon of Heroes. Easily. This year, they've won the President's Trophy with a backup goalie playing most of the last third of the season. Mm-hmm. If they don't get that far again... This is going to turn into a colossal disappointment oh, of the season just based on expectation. Absolutely. I, in, in, since 85-86, that's when they started awarding the President's Trophy. Eight. Eight teams that won the President's Trophy went on to win the Stanley Cup. And you remember what happened the last time the Rangers did it? They went and won 20, the Stanley Cup. 21 years ago. No, 1994. I can't believe it's been 21 years. I mean, I was 21 when it happened. It's half your life since the Rangers have won yeah. the Cup. Yeah. Well, I can't inc- complain because yeah. 1940 was the year before. What that. an incredible summer that was for New York sports, too. It the was Yankees the being Knicks. the best team in the AL and the Knicks in the finals and the Rangers in the finals. And yeah, but baseball had to go out on strike. We the, were, the Mets were there. We were steamrolling towards a Yankees-Montreal Expos mm-hmm. World Series. Yes. Pedro, right? Was yeah. Pedro on that Expos team? Uh, I believe so. I believe Bartolo Colon might have been. Yeah, he was, too. I think like you're right. Like a rookie at I that point. I think you're right. Still going strong. Yeah. Taking BP with Kevin James. Yeah, that was funny. You got, and then and his hit the other day, running to first base was an adventure and the helmet coming off all the time. But there's, there's no finer words in sports than Game 7 Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's the first round or the finals. But listen, I, I have to say this too. Uh, listen, guys, just a personal note from me. 
can we not go seven in the first two rounds? Can we wrap up the Penguins in five? And then the, ne- well, the next round could be the Islanders. Yep. Can we wrap that one up in six? Let's not play seven the first two rounds of the playoffs. Could, and- could we save some energy for the later rounds, please? And can the bounces go the Rangers' way if they make it to the Cup this year? <laughs> could we not have a defenseman stick in overtime? <laughs> Knock out a Rick Nash wide open open net goal that was going to win the game. Sergey Voinov. Can we not have a Dan Girardi just uh, mindless turnover oh, in, the, in the zone? God. Those games took so many years off my life, and it was me in my basement by myself watching it alone. I had nobody to commiserate with. Just my wife popping in every once in a while saying, "You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. What's wrong with you?" I said, "Just go." <laughs> You got to leave me to my vices. I have to get this out. I mean, this is, you know, you root a whole season. You invest so much time. And I get it. It doesn't always happen. But I can't wait every 21 years. Can we also avoid what happened yesterday? And, that? and not have the home teams go, or at least if the home teams go one and three tonight, can the Rangers at least be the one? Yeah. Because yeah. it was a bad night for the high seeds last night. Well, one thing. And almost a fully bad night, but. The Canadians snuck that one out. You could count on three things. Death taxes in Madison Square Garden being deafening. I mean, yeah. that, that place, when it's playoff hockey and the Rangers are there, it doesn't matter what round it is, Rangers fans bring it. And they bring it all year. I mean, mm-hmm. even through the bad times, those Ranger, uh, Rangers fans are loyal. They're loyal to a fault. Mm-hmm. And I love being a Ranger fan. You know, I could have grew up a Devil fan. I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, Oriema is. Yeah. Um, I could have grown up a Whalers fan. Hartford, absolutely. Yeah. Brendan Shanahan. And other players. And other players. Sean Burke. Tony Amante, former Ranger, was a Hartford Whaler. Pat Verbeek. Pat Verbeek, another star, made his way to the Rangers mm-hmm. later in his career. Yep. Hartford Whaler. I do own some Hartford Whalers gear because it's, it's great. cool stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, it's vintage. But I could have been a Whalers fan. I wasn't. I was a Ranger fan. Well. There's something about it. Oh, let's talk a little bit about, since we're going to do baseball for a little bit here with the Yankees, uh, this coming Tuesday, April 21st, uh, the Pocono and what's the other race? Pocono and Dover. Pocono and Dover winners the past couple of years. That would be Dale Earnhardt. Well, it's, no, they won the last two Daytona 500s. Oh, they won the last, okay. Pocono and Dover are the closest tracks to, it's kind of a, so Trenton's kind of in the middle. Dover, yeah. Right, so Trenton. So that's why they do the Pocono-Dover uh, celebrity softball game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two guys that you're listening to right now are, are quote-unquote, air quotes, Farley-style celebrities. Uh, I am on Team Logano, and Lou is on Team Aaron Hart. Yes, that's, which I think we're technically called Team Dover and Team Pocono, right, but right, it's right. Team Logano and Team Yeah, Aaron, right, right. So, Come out if you're not doing anything on Tuesday night. Come out to the park in Trenton. Uh, Four o'clock, the gates open. Four thirty, the game starts. Seven right. innings or ninety minutes, right. whichever comes first. We won't make you suffer. And then you get to see the uh, Thunder take on the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Which, by the way, let me get this out there. Cheap plug for my friends down there. Mm-hmm. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats also have a bat dog. He will not be with them because oh, he does not travel. Ooh. But uh, rookie debuts rookie. tonight mm-hmm. as the bat dog. My wife likes him more than she likes me, I think, at this point. Um, understandable. He's cuter. Uh, almost as furry, too. Um, TMI. <laughs> but you know, New Hampshire has uh, Derby's brother 
Derby, the oh, second cool. generation yeah, bat dog. Yeah, yeah, His yeah. brother Ollie is the bat dog of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. So it's it's going to be canine warfare. Nice. When the Thunder and the Cats play. And before that, you'll get to watch us play Salvo. We have come up with our wager. Yeah. It's, it's opposing football jersey while out watching a Giants-Eagles game. And Lou's an Eagle fan. I'm a Giant fan. Okay. So if we have to decide on like whether it's our individual effort or – because we cannot control – there's like 20 people on these teams. And I looked at my team, and my team is stacked. It is And stacked. by stacked, I mean I got like Miss Coors Light. You got DeRosa. And I got Miss Coors Light. You got Mark DeRosa. I do. We're going to make a ridiculous we double play combo. We don't have any ex-major leaguers on our team. We're going to make a ridiculous double play combo, me and DeRozan. Oh, By that, boy. I mean I'll be pointing at him from catching while he <laughs> makes a good play. Oh, brother. But, but we've, got some, uh, we've, we've got some – we've got some – we've got – for those of you who may be listening to us in Philly, we've got Doc and Andy and Crockett from the 92.5. That's mm-hmm. the country station in Philly, their morning show. Got a handful of personalities from local television, yeah. Chris and I. Uh, Nick Perufo from the Trentonian, who covers the Thunder, is playing in the game. Uh, like I said, Miss, Miss Coors Light, who is Miss Kentucky USA 2012. She's a NASCAR. Wow. Uh, Your dugout is the NASCAR picker. Yeah. Um, we've got some good, uh, some good peeps. It'll be a lot of fun. Now, could I wear my metal spikes, or, or is that a no-no? I'm guessing that's a no-no. I have to find my plastic ones. I don't know if I have them. Or I'm coming in sneaking. Well, just don't spike anybody. I'm not, I'm not going to slide in like... What's his face spikes up? I mean, Ty Cobb. I mean, if I'm catching and you're barreling no. around third, I mean, no. you know, if I'm barreling around third, I totally and, expect you to. And to Willie catcher, Mays haze no, me. No, 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 no. If the catcher has the ball and I'm coming in, I'm just giving myself up. You're not going to do the Willie Mays haze swan dive over to top. No, because you'll need stitches <laughs> if I'm wearing my metal <laughs> cleats. But anyway, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, come out to the park and. Uh, you know, as we said, check out the celebrity softball yeah. game. Uh, I think Logano and Earnhardt are going to be doing some things with the fans yeah, afterwards. They'll be throwing out the first pitch, yeah. uh, I believe, and then they'll be doing some things. There's media availability, yeah. which we'll be part of. We'll hope to um, grab a couple. Hope for to chat them up while we're on their teams and yeah. uh, grab them for a few minutes, and we'll we'll play that as part of next week's podcast. I think I have Jeff Bodine on my team. Todd Bodine. Todd right, Bodine, yes. a former NASCAR driver. Yep. So, but we don't one have of the many Bodines. But how do we not get an ex major leaguer? Because you got two NASCAR guys. It's not fair. They they don't they never played baseball. You never know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, come on, it's Mark DeRosa. I mean, he could play everywhere. He's the jack of all trades. I know. It's, it's gonna be interesting. I think I'm gonna <laughs> I think I'm gonna be in an Eagles jersey. Let's get into yeah, and let, let's let, I might throw up a little bit in my mouth. We'll figure it out afterwards because if, yeah. if whoever's team wins also has the best individual game, it'll be you know it'll be easy, but we'll we'll figure we'll it out. But we'll have some fun. Yeah. And maybe we do the podcast from the bar we watch the game from. Maybe. Whilst wearing that whilst wearing that disgusting jersey. Disgusting jersey. Come, come the games are in I think it's gonna be in September, the first game this year. Or maybe we go to so. uh, World of Beer in Stanford. Or New Brunswick. Or New Brunswick. Yeah. They love us there. We're like celebrities. Kind of, sort of. Let's talk about the real, I don't want to say real, let's talk about the current baseball players. We'll we'll leave Mark DeRosa where he came from. Let's go to the Yankees. And uh, I guess I don't have to start here, but I'm going to. Um, I did this yesterday because I noticed that they're leading the major leagues in errors. Uh, they have 11. They didn't make any last night against the Orioles, but they've lost all three series so far to mm-hmm. start the season. Uh, Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Orioles, all, surprise, surprise, in their division. And they wrap up their first four series against the other team in their division, the Rays. So we'll see what they could do over the weekend against the Rays starting Friday night. Before they get the almost unbeatable Tigers in Detroit. Right. So back to the errors. Now, 
towards the end of Derek Jeter's career, the, the, the three years before he retired, um, Twitter, I mean, the vitriol on Twitter, yeah. towards him, if he grounded into a double play, there'd be captain double play tweets, there'd be, you know, when's he going to retire, yeah. da 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 Yeah, this guy's got the range of, of a statue. Right. Yeah. So I would always tweet just one simple line. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful. The guy never hit under 270 in his career till last year. Okay, what was it, 250? 257. Yeah. yeah. 270 or higher. How many years did he play? 21? 20? Yeah. Even if you discount the one year he was hurt most right. of it in his rookie year. Right. 19. 19 years. <laughs> one year he was under 270, and it was 257. One year. Once. Now, look. Something I want to bring up, and I was going to tweet it, but I didn't want to have to deal with fans because fans always take things so, like, to heart. Like, I'm trying – I'm, like, literally talking to one specific – I'm not. This is to everybody. There's no Derek Jeter shadow for Didi Gregorius, in my estimation. There's no shadow because you're not replacing Derek Jeter. You cannot replace – Derek Jeter. And that is your and my estimation. The problem is perception in this case is not reality. Well, I see Michael Kay all morning fighting Yankee fans. Yeah. And I don't know why Michael does it. I mean, it's a waste of, I'd say, he's, breath, but it's tweets, so it's... He's dying on the captain's cross for this It's a this waste. Point. It's a waste of thumb ex, you know, yeah. his thumbs. But people are killing Didi over the first nine games. He's got 153 games left. Mm-hmm. You know, Tino was getting booed out of the building as yeah. Michael brought up on, on Twitter. And now he's got a plaque. Now he's got a plaque. I'm not saying Didi's going to have a plaque, but you can't judge a guy on nine games. Well, it's not even Michael. I mean, there, there's a, a couple of Arden followers that we have and Yes Network has on Twitter that even, even Donnie Collins, who covers the Rail Riders right. for the Scranton Times Tribune, was getting into it with a couple of them that there's one that consistently harps on Shane Green. Being this I've amazing player. I've seen it. I follow Donnie, and, and I've seen and, it. And Donnie's like, you know, he's an unproven – he was 25. He's an unproven starting pitcher. He had a good half a season. He said two good starts this fight? year. Two. You know, three weeks from now, if Didi goes on a 15-game hitting streak and Shane Green's two and six – Then what? It's going to be a different story. I mean, again, I said it 15 minutes ago. The Islanders are a perfect example of what happens when you crow in November about what's going to happen in April – Didi could be a perfect example of what happens when you kvetch in April and see what happens in October. We we started this podcast, Oriama and I, more him. He had the idea. Uh, give him props. In 2009. And I've been a broken record since we started this podcast. Baseball is a 162-game season. Mm-hmm. It's not nine games. It's not 16 games. Mm-hmm. It's not 22 games. It's not 47 games. No one remembers who led the first lap of the Daytona 500. They only remember who led no. the 200th. Right. That's it. You know, the, the, the guy who does a lap at Daytona and, and wins the first lap, his car's not sitting out there at Daytona. He gets a point. He gets a point. That's about it. The guy who won the last lap, his car yeah. is sitting out there. He's the one that gets to do donuts in victory lane. Right. Right. Or eat donuts in nice victory callback, lane. Nice callback, by the way. Thank you. Well, you would eat donuts in victory lane. I would. Come on. I'd eat donuts anywhere. Donuts are delicious. Go on. Anyway, I, I just I, I don't see uh, they're three and six as we yeah. tape this today. Three and six. Yankee fans. 
That's a fifty. That's pace for a fifty-four win season. <laughs> and they does actually, anyone think the Yankees are going to win fifty-four games though? 50, does anyone think they're going to go fifty-four and one hundred eight? No, I don't. Th- there are certain people who probably do, but another thing, Michael is trying to defend. Oh, they're penny pinching. Somebody actually said the Yankees are penny pinching. The payroll's two hundred thirty-six million dollars. That's penny pinching. Yeah. I just I don't get it. I don't get where Yankee fans Brian Cashman, and I'll say it again. I think he did a good job in the offseason. I think he did. What did you want? Scherzer? Based based on what the philosophy is, this team is constructed along those Ugh. lines. The problem is when you construct a team along a certain lines and ten games into the season, nine games into the season. Whatever. That team is failing at that task while also failing at another task, like the other task, which is scoring runs, which is how you win baseball games. And the pitching has preventing been, runs is great, and, and but, the pitching hasn't really been a yeah, problem. Preventing runs is great, but you also have to score them to win. Then it gets magnified. And as I said earlier, Twitter might be the worst thing that has happened in the Ever. history of the world. It's Ever. right. It's right up there with like World War II and chocolate. Chocolate's terrible. It's up there. It's it's one of the worst things that may have happened to the world because it gives everybody a voice that doesn't need to be heard and is magnified throughout the world. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it's not just one. It, it's the millions. Masses. It's millions. Somebody says something and then somebody retweets it and then somebody yeah. says, yeah. And then it's like picture the Frankenstein mob where there's one guy with a torch and then five minutes later you got the whole town. Yeah, with torches going after Frankenstein, and no matter and no matter how hard you dig, you just keep digging your own hole if you try to fight back against the tide. And it's every day. It's every day. It's every day. This is why I don't tweet a lot. I don't either. I've given up. You know, I have. I think I have thirty five hundred followers. Everybody else on yes, like talent wise, they're either at twenty five k and above. I have 35. I've got like eight hundred and sixty. And don't get me wrong, I appreciate all eight hundred and sixty some people that follow me on Twitter because. As much as you might not think so, it's cool to look back and say, you know what? There's 862 people in the world that care about what I have to say. There, it, it, I'll, I'll tweet stuff, and then I'll tweet stuff and say, you don't know what you're talking about. So, I, you know what? I, whatever. It is what it is. People, I, I could care less if you unfollowed me now. Do it. it seeing, okay. a follower, I, wait, seeing a follower drop off does not kill me. It doesn't. It makes me just go, all right, whatever. Do you remember? I know you're from Jersey, so you're obviously in. You're born to be a Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen, and Kevin Smith fan by default. You do remember a line in Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back where Jason Mewes, speaking to whoever he was speaking to, I forget who, says, "That's what the internet is for: slandering others anonymously." Mm-hmm. That's not what Twitter is for. Mm-hmm. Only it's semi-anonymously because your face is, or your name or your at I'm smarter than you is there. Yeah. Well. You know, we've been through why I left Twitter the one time. I'm not going to go into it again. But so yeah, we'll see 100 games from now how many of these people are eating their own hat. I, I've said this before, and, I, you know, you, you could really see how baseball is followed by people and, and how rabid the fans are. And it's not every game. It's not every inning. It's not every half inning. It's not every out. It's every pitch. It's every pitch. 
Everything is scrutinized. And you know what? It's not just the, the fan. It's not just the fan. It's us, too. Because sometimes we have opinions. And I'm not just talking about you and I. I'm talking about everybody who covers the team. Hmm? They put something out there. They have to write their columns. They're with the team every day. They see what goes on on a day-to-day basis. But most of the time, the things that they write are stretched and taken out of context. And then somebody gets the stretched and taken out of context version and blows it up into something that was never said to begin with. And that's the virus. And you get purple monkey dishwasher. Right. Right. That's the virus that happens on social media. And that's the thing that's bad about it. There are really good things about social media, being able to promote and help people out. But for the most part, it's what we're talking about. And I don't know why we're talking about social media right now, but the Yankees, back to the pitching, you know, CC threw, he gave you seven innings. I mean, he gave up four runs against the Orioles, but he gave you seven innings. He was economically bad is the best way to put it. Right. Economically ineffective. They couldn't score more than three runs. No. He was economically ineffective last night. And his last seven starts at Camden, he's 0-5 with a 548 ERA. So it's not like he's been successful there. And CeCe, if you remember, his entire Yankee tenure, he didn't really get off to good starts in his first couple of starts. Mm -hmm. So I want to give him a little bit more time, a little bit more arm strength. I'm not saying he's going to be throwing 94 yeah, Mark Teixeira hasn't exactly been Willie Mays in April for his entire career exactly. either, but he's got some pretty good numbers yeah, when you come right down to it. He does. And Alex is hitting the ball, but Didi's having some issues. Steven Drew hit the big grand slam, but he was two for 17 over his mm-hmm. first four games before he did that. Go around the horn. Brett Gardner got hit twice. Had to sit out with the wrist. Look at Alex. If you extrapolate his numbers out, he's played, he's played in all nine games. The one day he had off, he ended up pinch hitting at the end of the game the other right. night. So if you figure he can just multiply by 16, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go out to that and we'll say he plays 140-ish games. Silent for that in a heartbeat. And he, he's got two home runs. So, again, multiply, that's 30. Uh-huh. Does anyone think Alex Rodriguez is going to no. hit 30 home runs? No. I don't. But he could. But he could. I don't think anyone thinks the Yankees are going to win 54 games and lose 108. They could. Highly unlikely. Right now, they're on pace for that. It's nine games into the season. But like I said, things get magnified. This team is built on defense and preventing runs. They have a major league high 11 errors. The pitching is predicated on, well, if CeCe's healthy and Tanaka's healthy. Tanaka hasn't especially looked too good in his first two starts. CeCe hasn't especially looked too good in his first two starts, even as economical as he was. Pineda's been great. Adam Warren looked decent in his first start. But would you sign, for that last start CeCe had, you would sign for that. I mean, not knowing what you're going to get out of this guy this year, if you saw him go out there and be a bull for seven innings Mm -hmm. and give you a chance to win the game. CeCe has always done that. In, I know, but in, in that's his entire that, career. That should be the positive, though, right. in that second start. I'm not saying he was, like you said, he's economically bad, but at the same time, he did put his team in a position to win. Right. He said he had, you know, the, the home run he gave up, or the triple, and then the sack flies, I have to make a better pitch there. And yep. yeah, he's going to take responsibility. He always does. He's like Phil Hughes in front of his locker. Yep, I stunk. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give him any guff. Yeah. He's been that one guy that even when he, even on his worst days, would go out there and gut out six innings. Absolutely. If he threw 50 pitches in the first two innings, 
he found a way he'd be at 85 through mm-hmm. five. Right. Like, that's just the pitcher he's been. And even, like you said, the other day, same thing. That's the pitcher he is. He's very, Sometimes you need that. He's very in tune with the team around him. He knows if the bullpen is gassed. He knows when he goes out there, he's out there. And he has to do what he has to do. The importance of that is why Kyle Davies, Joel De La Cruz, um, Matt Tracy, and now Brandon Pinder have all been on the team in the first 10 days of the season. Right. Because extra inning games plus the rest of the rotation not doing that equals tired bullpen. It's going to be a long year. Things will get better. Some things will get worse. That's the nature of the game. And, you know, I read power rankings throughout the internet. I read a lot of things throughout the internet about baseball. And this week in the CBS Sports Power Rankings, the guy who did them this week, Matt Snyder, dropped the Nationals from number one to number 29. Because last week, they looked like the 29th best team in the league. This is a team that led the major leagues in games one last year. It's a team that many people are picking to not only run away with the NL East, but take it, put it in their back pocket on opening day, mm-hmm. back away slowly, and be somewhere across the world by the time September comes. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've looked like crap the, last, the first two weeks of the season. All right. So l- let's take a look now. Ellsbury is 286. You got A-Rod is at 286 as well. Brett Gardner's at 261. Teixeira's at 241. That's right around where he's always. Yep. Um, Headley's at 229. The Yankees would have killed for two 286 hitters last year. Oh, yeah. McCann's at 200. Petit is at 182. Gregorius is at 172. Beltron is at 171. Garrett Jones in five games is batting 154, and Stephen Drew in eight games is batting 148. At this point, Petit might as well change his name to not Jose Perella or not Rob Refsnyder because yeah. that's pretty much what he is. Yeah. I think he struck out five times in 11 at-bats. Like he's, You can't even count him. He struck out five times in 11 at-bats. Nail on the head. Uh, so, uh, Yankee fans. It's Timmy Lupus numbers. Same thing. <sighs> Oof. Um, how I gave the Nets equation before, if they want to win you know, a couple games, if not the series against the Hawks, I told you what they need to do. Yankees need to hit. Yep. And Brian McCann, he, can't, he can't be 5 for 25, you know? Yeah. Uh, even Chase Headley, he, he cannot get a pass. He cannot be hitting 229. Didi Gregorius can't be batting 172. Carlos Beltran. Can't be hitting Thank 171. You You're welcome. Six for 35. Six for 35. But here's the flip side of this now, because I understand where a lot of Yankee fans are passionate he about things. He struck out 25% of the time. Every fourth time he comes up, he strikes out. I appreciate where Yankee fans are, are very rabid about certain things, and Rob Refsnyder is one of those points, especially with Drew and Gregorius performing the way they are. But whether it's Joe Girardi, whether it's Brian Cashman, whether it's whoever needs to make the decisions, if... On June 16th, Carlos Beltran is hitting 170. He shouldn't be playing right field. No. If on June 16th, Didi Gregorius is hitting 180 with an error every three games, he should not be playing shortstop. That's another part of this team is that they've shown now that they're not afraid to make changes when they need to, regardless of what the circumstances may be. So nine games into the season, I'm not going to put too much stock in that. Because Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak didn't, wasn't from game one to 56. Right. Okay. 
But 66 games into the season, 70 games into the season, then I'll start to put stock in it. Then we'll see what happens. And look at Chris Young. I mean, this guy, they got him off the Mets scrap heap. 400 OBP in the first nine games. He's played, what, five of them? 375. John Ryan Murphy's at 417. But the highest every day on base percentage for the Yankees is Alex Rodriguez. Although John Ryan Murphy, to go back to the air thing, is pretty much the reason why the Yankees lost that 19-inning game on Friday night. So there's good and bad there. Yeah. I mean, that, that passed ball, yeah. moved the runners up, gave Mookie Betts the chance. But what was that, Mookie Betts' sack fly one, would have been a fly out to left but field. But after that one pass ball, people were asking if he made the right choice with Romine and Murphy. That, don't you think that's a ridiculous question? Yes. But that's the world we live in. Ugh. We live in a world where there's new in sites. In a world. We live in a world where there's new sites that are bashing Hillary Clinton for not leaving a tip at Chipotle. I mean, that's the world we live in, Chris. Okay. <laughs> That's the world we live in. So might as well suck it up, grab a shovel, and start digging like everyone else. Yeah, you're right. Again, we're nine games into the season. Nine games. We are into the season as many games as Ferris Bueller was absent from school before he changed it on his home computer. Do you remember what the password was to get in? No. Pencil. Or was that War Games? I can't One, two, remember. three, four, five. No, I can't. Now, see, I got my 80s movies mixed up because he was Ferris Bueller. We were seriously lacking movie references for the first hour of this podcast. And he was also um, David Lightman in War Games. And I can't remember who he stole the password from because he did it in both movies. He changed his absences in Ferris Bueller and he changed Ali Sheedy's grade in War Games. Speaking of... Things from Ferris Bueller and Movie Reference. Now I gotta go watch both of them. I was very disappointed the other day when my wife came home from work. I was off mm-hmm. the other day. And my wife came home from work and I was laying on the couch and I was like, Do you have a kiss for daddy? And she's like, What's that? I'm like, Really? Ferris Bueller? Wow. When he goes to get Sloan when bum, they call bum, out. Bum, bum. I was like, Oh, come on. I was very disappointed in my wife at that moment. So that's how they do it in that family. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney! That seems like a good place for us to take a hiatus for a week. I'd like, I'd like to speak with you, by God. Rooney! <laughs> we're, not, we're not here next week? No. Well, we're on a, like he says in Around the Horn, we're on a 23 and a half hour break. We're on a, multiply that by seven. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I thought we were taking the week off. I was excited. No, no. I'm not, because I love doing this every week. But no, yeah. we're going to talk to some guys in Trenton. We're going to have some fun. Maybe I'll interview Rookie. That ought to be fun. We should call this podcast... The magic hour. I was debating whether or not, I know, I was debating whether or not the title of this week's episode was going to be dot, 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 and Brooklyn makes three, like, yeah. and baby makes right, three, right, right. or playoff fever. I think I like, and Brooklyn makes yeah, three. Yeah, I like that. They, they too. sort of got in on the last, last hour of yeah. the regular season. Nets, Islanders, and the Rangers. And the Knicks, they showed up. Yeah. Not often. They don't have uh, the worst record in the league. If you could say anything positive about the Knicks season, it's that they made it all the way through. Yes, they did. Langston Galloway. Here's to Greg Monroe. Mark my words. Langston Galloway. Three years from now, his name will still be Langston Galloway. All right. You heard it here first, everybody. No, he's going to be one of those guys. He, will, he looks like a kind of guy who will have a productive NBA career, not necessarily as a starter, but as a, as a well-used reserve. Let's gotcha. put it that way. So there's, there's one positive to take from it. 
All right. Any other positive take from is it's over. That's a good way to spin the Yankees three and six record. A little Knicks positive to end the podcast. I mm-hmm. like it. I see where your uh, see where your head's at. Things there's brighter days ahead. It's always darkest before the dawn. Insert cliche here. We'll see what happens. May sixteenth, June sixteenth, July sixteenth, on April sixteenth. I'm not going to hit the panic button and jump overboard. And we are heading to black right now. That's the end of the Chris Sheeran show. I'm going to push the button that says stop record. Yes. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Don't forget, as always, you could listen to this uh, via the SNetwork.com and iTunes podcasts. Just go to the iTunes app on your phone or your tablet. Type in Chris Sheeran Show, and away you go. For Lou, I'm Chris. Later.